Psalms, the 46th chapter. I'm going to do my best to present this to you tonight like Domino's Pizza, hot, fresh, and in 30 minutes or less, or it's free. But if I go over, you still pay your bill. Praise God. 46th chapter, verse number 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. A very present help. Therefore, or in other words, you could say, and because of that, because of who he is, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. Now this is important. I'm going to bring this to you in just a moment. Selah. He said, but there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged. And the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. And the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our refuge. He closes this chapter out in the 11th verse by saying the same exact thing. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. I want to begin very simply by telling you that I really don't know where people go if they don't have the Lord to go to. I really don't know what people do without the Holy Ghost. I can't imagine walking through this life astonished, amazed, astounded by all of the chaos around us and having no hope to look to. I really cannot wrap my my mind around what it would be like to live without the family of God, without the power of God. I'm just telling you, folks, I can't go very long without services like we had tonight. I've got to be in the presence of the Lord. I can't go very long without a prayer meeting with God. I can't go very long without lifting up my voice and shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. Where would we go if we did not have the Lord? Not everybody can say God is my refuge. Not everybody can say that. 
because they have created their own refuge. And the refuge that they have created, I believe, it's going to come to pass before very long that their refuge will crumble to the ground. Everything they have built around themselves as a support system to say, this is my strength. This is my help. It's coming down. Jesus spoke of this in the New Testament when he said that there are two men that would build a house. One would be wise and one would be foolish. He said the foolish man would build his house upon the sand. And the language of it is very similar to what the psalmist used in this chapter. He said the earth is shaken, that the mountains are moved, and that the sea is roaring. In other words, a great flood. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that whenever the floods came, whenever the earth was shaken and the floods began to come, that the man who built his house upon the sand, that his house crumbled to the ground. But there was a man that built his house upon a rock. And when the floods came, he did not have to fear. Because he had built on a sure foundation. I feel like telling somebody tonight, I know who my foundation is. I am not worried about what man can do to me. I am not worried about this present world. We have a rock. Their rock is not as our rock. Their hope is not as our hope. But we have a blessed rock that we can establish our feet upon. I've seen people even in the name of God build their foundation and build their refuge and build their strength around churches and around ministries and around personalities. And those people have fallen and those doors have been closed. But there's something special about someone who can make the address and say without a doubt that God is my refuge and strength. I've been with him enough to know that he is mine and I am his. There's nothing like being shut in with God. There's nothing like being linked up with God while everybody else is so worried about their refuge falling apart. I'm telling you, our God will never fall apart. brought us to a place where current doctrine is really struggling that's been built in the modern church forgive me if this sounds too hard tonight but that's why it creates problems when you make God some limp-wristed weak back figure that just wants you to be happy all the time when your doctrine is built around the fact that God is just just this little sweet, tender, loving thing that has no judgment in his life and no power and no authority. And he's just this little figure we're supposed to follow. He's invisible. You know, I saw some shirts come out some time ago. It's been a little while now, but there were shirts and stickers and all those things came out that said, Jesus is my homeboy. They've tried to take the power of the Almighty and bring it down to the power and the authority of a man. But folks, listen. 
when men that have been the wisest, men that have been the strongest, men that have been the wealthiest come to the end of their resources, I feel like reminding you that our Father still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I feel like telling somebody tonight, he is not the created. He is the creator and all power in heaven and earth. It belongs to him. God is. God is. Beloved, they've tried to lay claim to it. Go to funerals of people that have never served the Lord whatsoever. And a preacher will get up and read, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, look, not everybody can say that he's their shepherd. Not everybody can say that he's their refuge. There will come a time, believe it or not, that the kingdoms of religion are going to fall to the ground. And false prophets are going to be cast in to the sea. And people that have exclaimed, this weak God, they're going to find out he's a lot stronger than they ever preached that he was. God is. Somebody say that. God is. I'm glad it doesn't say God was. His language never ceases to amaze me. That's why when Moses was in the wilderness and he comes across the bush that was burned but it was not consumed. He said, well, who shall I say sent me? I am. That I am. To understand the language of what he was saying. He was saying he is in the present. But that he continues to be. It's like if you could add the I-N-G on the end of an English language. It's like it never stops. He was saying I am that I am and I will be what I will be. In other words you can't exhaust me Moses. So whenever you go talk to Pharaoh. And I bring you through that and you get to a Red Sea. I am the Red Sea as much as I am at the burning bush. When you come to an impossibility and you don't know what to do next, just remember, it wasn't the I was that sent you. It's the I am. And I'm there right now in the midst of your trouble. I'm there right now in the midst. God. If I was there in the mouth of Pharaoh, I'll be there at the mouth of the Red Sea. If I was there at the Red Sea, I'll be there at the bitter waters of Merah. If I was there at Merah, I'll be there at Jericho. And walls are coming down. Somebody shout, God is. The revelator said he was, he is, and he is to come. God, can you imagine? He was, is. <laughs> you can't exhaust him. God, I must feel something up here right now that not very many are feeling. You can't. Exhaust his resources. You can't wear him out. You cannot deplete him. Jesus. 
God is our refuge and strength. You know what that means in the Hebrew? Refuge and strength. You're welcome. He's a place that you can hide. He'll be a strength to you. He's a covering to you. Church, listen. I'm not just saying this to sound arrogant tonight. But there is something the world does not know that we know. When you've got a refuge like we've got. Bishop, he hides me under his pavilion. And when my heart is overwhelmed, he leads me to a rock that is higher than I am. I'm glad tonight that he's my refuge. He's a place that I can hide. He's a place that when the troubles of this world beset me, I can run to that strong tower and find safety in the refuge of his name. God is our refuge. And God is our strength. A very present help. Not just in time of trouble, but he is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. If you do just a brief word study of what this scripture means, a very present help, it's an interesting term. To be a very present help. I mean, how much more present can you be than present? How can you be very present? You understand what I'm saying? In the English, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's kind of like you're more than conquerors. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, you either win or you lose. So how can you be more than a conqueror? And how can he be very present help? You know, when you're a kid in school and the teacher starts calling the names, Jimmy, present. Johnny, present. Susie, present. And they come to you and say, Billy, very present. <laughs> Easy, buddy. I am very present. Fear me. I am very present. It almost seems like a, a conflict of language in the English, the kind of way it's written in the old English. He is a very present help. But the Hebrew phrase actually would say something to this idea that he is an abundantly available help. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? God have mercy. Think about it. God is my refuge and strength. My abundantly available help. He will never be just enough help for me. To barely get by by the skin of my teeth. But he is abundantly. Woo! 
My God, he is abundantly available help in trouble. You serve a God that is abundantly able. He's abundantly powerful. He's abundantly available. There is no shadow of turning with him. Abundantly, 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 abundantly. Sometimes over the last few days, I've had to just walk around and say, Lord, you're abundantly available. You're abundantly available. In the time of trouble, you're bigger than this. That's what that means. You're bigger than this. God, you're greater than this. You are more powerful than this. I know this sounds like rhetoric to a lot of you, but some of us can't forget in seasons like this, we've been telling God about how big our mountains are. But not very many of us have been telling our mountains how big God is. He's abundantly available. He's abundantly bigger than the mountain. He's abundantly bigger than the valley. He's abundantly bigger than the river. He is the mighty, the mighty God. If I had time, I would go in to the gods of this world that have tried to compare themselves to the matchless power and authority of our God. And it's a whole other sermon, so I don't have time for it. But if you begin to trace down the ideologies of religions globally around the world, it's like one of them's looking for power in nature. One of them's looking for power in peace, that inward peace. You could get into Buddhism and talk about that inner peace and all you can look for all that. But listen, while they're looking for peace, we already have found abundantly available peace. What do you mean, pastor? Because it said that it's peace that passes all understanding. It's abundantly available. It's peace that they'll never understand because they're looking for a byproduct of what we found the source of. They're trying to find peace. I'll just take the Holy Ghost and take the peace that comes with it. I've lost count. I don't know. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands there are now. Hindu gods. I think it kind of evolves a little bit. I think. I'm not sure. But I think maybe they've added some to it in the last hundred years. I don't know. It's interesting. Because every time they need something else... Man, I wish you, I feel like I've been inoculated with Red Bull. Every time they need something else, they got to find another God and another name. But let me tell you right now, folks, I know of one name that is powerful enough that when I need refuge and strength, All I've got to do is call on the name of the Lord. And that name, there is abundantly available help in the name of Jesus. I'm glad when I'm driving down the road with my family, I don't have to think of which name to call on, which God to call on. I know the one true living God, and he has a name.
I'm hurrying. So this leads us to the second verse. Because you guys won't be quiet, I'm only in the first verse. So because of who he is, because of his abundant availability of help, we will not fear. Now, folks, I don't know if you've ever thought this deep and tried to rip into the 46th Psalm like this, but I just couldn't let it go. His language immediately begins to speak of things created by God. But they are the largest things to the created of God. Am I making sense? He said, though the earth be removed. The earth. Well, if the earth is removed, then we don't really need him. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, to be quite honest with you, for the average Joe that drives a Ford Pinto, you're never going to drive on the moon. Like the earth is all you got. And the psalmist starts with the biggest thing that he could imagine. He doesn't just say, if Jerusalem be torn down, then I'm not going to be afraid. He makes a statement that totally encompasses the whole sum total of what we see. We don't have to be afraid, he said, if the earth is removed. Now, I'm just saying what's implied to me. I'm not just saying that David, the psalmist, implied this. That's who I believe wrote it. But what's so crazy to me is when I read this and started thinking about the earth being removed, I can only think of one time in Scripture that's spoken of of the earth Kind of, so to speak, disappearing, if you know what I mean. And that's after the church has been raptured. And the second coming of the Messiah has happened. And the earth shall be turned into fire. What that means is, when the earth is removed, I won't be here anyway. Because whether it's removed physically... And this whole thing burns up with the magma that's in the center of the earth. Or I'm just out of here and I don't lay my eyes on it anymore. I don't have to be afraid because I finally made it. So he starts breaking it down. He said, though the earth be removed. Now watch this. He goes from the largest part that encompasses everything that we know. Everything we know about space, we discovered on earth. So everything that's outside of this realm, it had, or had to have earth to discover that. So then he brings it down to the next level. And he says, and though the mountains, which are the most majestic and visible thing in the earth, though they be carried into the midst of the sea, the two most recognizable features of the earth, are the mountains and the seas. 
He said, the earth may be removed, but I will not fear. The mountains may be carried into the midst of the sea. Every one of these things are bigger than I am. I did not create them. I do not control them. You understand me when I tell you tonight. It does not freak me out to read about the end time church. Oh, pastor, there's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. There's going to be pestilence. Oh, me, oh, my. And there's going to be lions and tigers and bears. What are we going to do? Same thing David said, I'm going to do. I'm not going to be afraid. Even if that mountain right there is carried away into the midst of the sea. If there's an earthquake big enough that states on the borders of this country fall off into the water, I'm not going to be afraid. All these doomsday people freaking out right now. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? You know, like, it's hilarious. We've preached about the coming of the Lord for 2,000 years. They're like, oh, no, what if this is it? And that's when motive becomes perfectly clear. Folks, forgive me tonight. And just, I hope you got steel toes on or maybe not. But there's really only one reason why you wouldn't want the coming of the Lord to happen now. It could be because you're not sick enough of this old world. And you still love this present world more than you love that appearing in that world. I wake up every morning of my life looking for a city that was not built by hands, whose builder and maker is the almighty God. I will not be afraid if the mountains are cast into the sea because I know that God is with us. Let me fast forward. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to hurry. I'm just going to fast forward. I would say I'm going to go to the end of my notes, but... Listen to what I'm telling you. I've never done, all my, all my life I've read through Psalms, and it's accurate to say what is commonly understood about Selah, Selah that it's a, it's a musical rest that you find in the Psalms. So it's like if you've ever read sheet music and there's a little rest in the sheet music, that's kind of the image that you get, but it's actually a little deeper rest than that. It's like, it's not just a musical pause. And for the first time ever this week, I saw a perspective that I've never really seen about Selah. He said to us in this scripture, in verse 7, he said, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. And he says it again in the 11th verse, Selah. You see Selah all through the Psalms. But there's something extremely interesting about Selah that I've never paid much attention to before I always just thought like pause meditate you understand what I'm saying like just think about that for a second okay I pause now I'll go on but I read this week about the word Selah is that it's a little bit bigger than a, just a musical pause it actually is a moment in the song where the intent of the psalmist could have been for the conductor 
to look at his harp players after that stanza of the song and take a pause to give his musicians the time to be sure that their harps were in tune. Because Sila does not just mean pause and think about it. It also means it's not over and there's more to come. And it's almost like the writer stopped in the middle of writing. He said, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And he lays his pen down for just a second. Stretches his arms out. And he says, this is fixing to get good. It's fixing to be a different level of intensity in the song. So I want to be sure that when the conductor is leading, it is said that this particular psalm, the 46th psalm in your Bible, is a song upon Alamoth. That it's more than likely a psalm that was created for the high soprano voice to sing. It's a voice, it's a, it's a song created for that high sounding voice. But the conductor wanted to be sure that if you're singing the song and you come to a place that you realize our refuge is the God of Jacob. I want you to pause right there. Tune your harp up. Get your strings tightened up just right. Because whatever you're facing, I want you to know that the song is not over yet. It means there's about to be a change in the intensity of the flow of the music. Something is about to shift. Something is about to change. Get yourself in alignment. Get yourself in tune. Because something is about to happen. I have come on this Sunday night to tell FPC Anderson, Selah, the God of Jacob, is our refuge. Get your harp tuned up. Get your song ready to sing. Take a drink of water, high-sounding voice, because the song is not over. A week ago, the Lord spoke to me in a vision of our Capitol building. And he said to me, I am not finished with this nation. So for all the people that are worried about our nation falling apart, first thing I'll tell you to do is quit watching. Because you'll start chasing after stuff that'll mess with your mind. So what I want to tell you is, I really don't know what anybody else is saying right now about America. I don't really care what the Ayatollah is saying about America and Iran. I don't. I could give a rip. I could care less. I really could care less what Chairman Xi or whatever his face is in China is saying about America. I could care less. I'd rather my socks be American made anyhow. <laughs> yeah. 
I could care less what they're saying about America because last Saturday night and Sunday morning, I heard all I needed to know about America. The Lord said, I am not finished with this country yet. I am not finished. Listen, he didn't put any prerequisites on that. He didn't say if so-and-so goes in or stays in, or then I'll make up my mind. He said, I am not finished with this country. So what I've come to tell you tonight, just pause right there for a minute and get your song ready because revival is here. Harvest is here. Ahmad is here. We will not fear. We will not be shaken. I come against every spirit of fear in this house. I come against every spirit of confusion in this house. You know what America needs? They need some of this right here. They need some Sunday night apostolic Holy Ghost church. That's what they need. I know there have been some people running judgmental voice boxes because we chose to go to D.C. the other day. And the only thing I can tell you about it is until you run your mouth in prayer the way that we did in D.C., then don't run your mouth on me. I got out and walked the streets. I was there with no ulterior motive. I went... To pray for this nation. And I walked among, that na- among the people of our country. I didn't meet anybody like they're talking about on the media. I didn't meet those people. I don't know who they are, but I didn't meet those people. But I thought to myself, Lord, I've never seen this many people in my life, ever. Never in my life, Caleb Gresset, have I seen that many people with my eyes. It had to be something kind of like what John saw when he saw the number that couldn't be numbered, you, know, you understand what I'm saying? And I just looked out across the sea of people, and I thought, I don't know how many people that are here right now have never heard the truth preached. Ever. And I didn't know what else to do, because I wasn't there to be a hoodlum. I wasn't there to do what, whatever they were doing. I went to call on the God that's my refuge and strength. Some say that there were folks there for insurrection. I was there for resurrection. You know what I did? Judge me if you want to. Matter of fact, I was on national news with Bishop. You're going to look. I didn't say one thing about President Trump. Go look. I was interviewed on Sirius XM radio that night. I didn't say a word about President Trump. You know what I said on Sirius XM radio? I said, I plead the blood of Jesus over our nation. I was walking among people. I couldn't tell you. I mean, it was like over a million people. I had to be. And I did the same thing that I did on the Temple Mount in Israel. They told told us on the Temple Mount, Brother Lang, when when we got there, you said, whatever you're going to do, if you're going to pray, don't act like you are. Am I telling the truth? You said there's 
there's people up here that act like Antifa. So, whatever you do, don't act like you're praying if you want to pray. And so I'm on the Temple Mount, and I'm walking around up there. And while I'm walking, I'm pointing at stuff and acting like I'm talking about things. But what they didn't know is that I was taking territory back, because that's what we do. And so I'm pointing over at their building, and they think I'm looking at the beautiful Dome of the Rock, and I'm saying, this is ours. This over here belongs to us. Now that part over there, they think that belongs to Ishmael. But I'm walking on the Temple Mount, and I said, well, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hero Israel the Lord. You know what I did the other day? I hadn't been to D.C. since I was a kid, and be honest, I don't care if I go back. And I was walking down the streets. I, probably not good. I wasn't paying a lot of attention. But I was just walking. I was cold. I said, Lord, everywhere my feet touch right now. You said it was mine. That's what he said. I said, Lord, everywhere my feet touch right now. I don't know what's going to happen in this city in the months and weeks to come. But right now, I said, I'm walking right here. And in the midst of all these people, I said, here, oh, Israel, the Lord our God. I may never get a chance to preach to 100,000 people, but I'm telling you right now that the God of Jacob, he is our refuge and he is with us. There's too many people got their hope in a man. hope's not in a man my hope's in the man Christ Jesus I'll tell you something tonight church you better get as bold as you've ever got some of us ought to be so on fire for God right now this is exactly what I felt like in DC but I felt like I was storming the gates of hell with a water pistol We better get brave enough in the Holy Ghost that we just square up our shoulders and say, let people say what they're going to say. Let them do what they're going to do. If they got to question your motives on everything you say and everything you pray, then let them question. But I'm telling you right now, I will see this nation taken for revival. I'm sorry. This may offend somebody, but you hear me when I tell you, I don't believe the will of God was for Billy Graham to be the the greatest evangelist that's ever hit America. You know what I believe in God for, Brother Horner? I believe in that before this is over, God is going to give us stadiums where men have been worshipped, where sports teams have been worshipped, and that we're going to see it filled up and have baptistries all over the football field where people are going down in the name of Jesus. Father, we're reaching tonight. You are our refuge and strength. You have an abundant availability of help when we're in trouble. Lord, I would say that this nation's in trouble, but I just don't believe that we are. 
because I believe that you are greater. Lord, I haven't found yet in the word of the Lord where in the end time church you lose control and it all falls apart and you don't know how to fix it. I plead the blood over these people tonight. I plead the blood over those, God, that their minds have been tormented by the plague of the day and all the things that are going on in the earth. The only message I have for China and Iran and Italy and wherever, Lord, around the world tonight is revival's coming. If my brothers and sisters, Lord, are watching in the Philippines tonight, I'm declaring to the Philippines, revival is coming, it's there. I'm declaring to my brothers and sisters in South Africa tonight, revival is coming. I'm speaking to my brothers and sisters tonight in Uganda, revival is coming. I'm speaking to my brothers and sisters tonight by faith in that holy city, Jerusalem. And I'm saying tonight, revival is coming to Israel.